Do you have a cat too? I do also have a cat. (laughs) You're listening to the Millennial Musician Podcast with your host, recording artist and music career strategist, Shay Leonia. On with the show. How good do you feel when you run into someone who is also a musician? Like you just meet and you're like about just readying yourself, just bracing your sphincter for having to explain to them what it is that you do, why you do it, that it's, yes, it is a professional career, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly they say, oh yeah, I'm a musician too. And you're just like, oh, thank God I don't have to explain myself. They already get it. Now, what if I told you that this person could be your therapist? That's exactly what Backline.care has been doing. They have been matching um, musicians in particular with therapists who are vetted to be knowledgeable about the music industry. They are, as I call them, headhunters of sorts for pairing musicians with the right therapist based on price point, location, um, you know, gender identity, sexual identity, like all of these of these different types of things. Because as no one is, musicians are also not a monolith. Uh, I'm really, really excited for you to hear this episode today because Ari Jacobson, the clinical director of Backline, goes into great detail and is gracious enough to answer my my barrage of, is that a word? Barrage of questions. <laughs> my line of questioning. I, I really let him have it. So <laughs> in the best way possible. But um, without further ado, here's Ari. All right, everyone. We are back with another episode of the Millennial Musician Podcast. And I am so, so grateful to welcome Ari Jacobson on behalf of Backline.care. Um, I I have my own story to, to share about Backline, but I, I don't want to keep Ari waiting. So Ari, wanna, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Ari Jacobson. I'm the clinical director for Backline.care. Uh, we are a nonprofit that specializes in helping people in the music industry and their families uh, get connected with mental health and wellness resources. Uh, so that includes helping people find therapists. Uh, maybe you're looking for uh, a psychiatric provider. Um, and maybe you're looking for somebody that's just in the wellness space. So a meditation coach, a nutritionist, anything of that nature, uh, we do our best to try and help pair you with somebody who is a qualified professional that's also in, has an understanding of the music industry. So it's it's pretty apparent. I feel like these days, you know, every social media platform is oozing with uh, people that are talking about the importance of mental health care, which is great. Um, sure. But why musicians? Um, so Backline was formed uh, just about three years ago. We are almost two weeks north of our third uh, birthday. It was formed in October of 2019 um, after a couple of deaths uh, that happened, unfortunately, by suicide that were uh, mm. friends of a bunch of people in the music industry. And uh, the long and the short of the story is a um, bunch of people, both uh, or including musicians, uh, people who were working backstage, front of stage, family members. And then people who just had a passion for the industry uh, got together on a handful of different conference calls. During those conference calls, there was a big conversation as to kind of why would it be that people who we assume are known across the world um, or have people that they can really rely on in theory the most um, Mm -hmm. and travel around the world and sometimes feel the least connected uh, and sometimes feel the most lonely. So after a handful of conversations, it wasn't necessarily the belief that it was that people didn't know that therapy existed or that therapy was. Um, something that was unattainable. It was more that people really just didn't know how to find it or that they were relying on things like Google 
or word of mouth. Um, and Google's great when you know how to operate it. Um, psychology today is great when you know how to operate it. And relying on a friend is really great. But just because my therapist is good for me doesn't necessarily mean they can help you. Right. Um, so it was really after a handful of conversations, it was really apparent that um, bridging that gap was really important, um, specifically for people who are working in this industry. Um, so that is where Backline was formed. So our goal is really, like I said, just to help people who are looking for specific types of providers. Uh, we want to make sure that they're able to get help and they know how to find help. Um, and our goal is to also kind of get rid of some of those initial questions of, will they understand my lifestyle? Uh, will they understand my struggles? Um, and will they understand why I do it? Right. One of the the components of Backline that I truly appreciated was the focus on finding someone within your price range. Because sure. I feel like there's such a tremendous obstacle for people getting the help that they need and they know they want and they're ready for. But then all of a sudden it comes the price tag. And, you know, even with my particular, ins- I have shit insurance where mm-hmm. I would have been paying so much money just for, as a copay for my therapy. Yeah. But you guys helped me find someone that I could afford. I'm so honestly, I'm, it means a lot to us that we were able to help. Um, it's something I've been working um, in community mental health for the last almost 10 years at this point, I've been able to really see kind of the disparity that occurs with people who have all different types of insurance. So those who are on state medical assistance um, and are usually sitting somewhere around the poverty line or honestly have a very, very large family um, Mm -hmm. and work just standard nine to fives um, or are traveling on the road, going um, city to city, putting on shows and um, maybe don't necessarily have the insurance or, um, or paying a whole lot for insurance. And then a $25 copay is really just too much to spend once a week, once every two weeks. Um, so we do our best that when we talk to any of the clinicians that we have, um, just to find out exactly what their price range is, we do understand that depending on which state you're in, that the cost of living is different. So uh, being able to offer a $50 session for somebody in New York City is different than being able to offer a $50 session for somebody in Kentucky. Oh, so um, true. And we're, we try very hard to be very mindful of that. We are blessed with a very wonderful network of providers, many of who um, are willing to offer some pro bono or very discounted sliding scale fees uh, because of their passion or their their history of working in the industry. And then we are lucky enough to also have a nice relationship um, with some organizations like the Sweet Relief Foundation uh, that help us um, and help some clinic, uh, some excuse me, some clients of ours who maybe don't have the funding to be able to afford some of those sessions. Uh, so Sweet Relief will help get us some cash uh, that will cover up to an already established amount. So maybe it's eight sessions, maybe it's 10 sessions. And that way um, we can at least get the ball rolling and get people help while they still really need it. Right. And shout out to Sweet Relief because I did a a fundraiser for them a few Mm -hmm. years back called uh, Rock Beat Scissor. And we raised, uh, I mean, (laughs) a smaller amount than I would have liked, but you know, still any amount helps uh, with these Mm -hmm. organizations because these organizations then have in turn, you know, now full circle, they have actually contributed to a few sessions of mine um, when mm. when times were rough and when it wasn't wedding season yeah. and I was in a drought. So um, yeah, Sweet Relief has enabled me to continue with my therapist that I found through you all. I was wondering, Ari, if you're, if you're comfortable with me sharing, I would love to tell sure. uh, everyone what my experience was and what brought me to backline and just so that they can get a sense of what the process is. Yeah, absolutely. That would mean a lot. I belong to several different um, music guru (laughs) newsletters and uh, one such guru um, who I trust, 
he had in his newsletter, he had made, made mention of backline. And at the time I was so, so depressed. I was going through some really, really severe mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. I, I moved out, um, to my current apartment. I moved out here, which is out of state from where I grew up during the pandemic. And so mm -hmm. it's been very, very lonely. You know, I'm, I'm far away from all of my friends. I'm also far away from a music scene that recognized me and knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And I'm out here mm -hmm. in this new music scene that doesn't know who the fuck I am. So, um, so it was a lot. And then I only had my one friend out here, but she has a whole family of her own to worry about. And it was just a lot. I had been seeing a therapist who was excellent for the chapter of my life that I needed her for. But I also used mm -hmm. to get remarks such as, you know, well, why aren't you creating music? Just put it into your music. And that was compounding in a tremendous sense of shame that I had around well, I'm a musician, but I'm, I haven't written a song in like a year and a half. What is wrong with me? Uh -huh. And how dare I call myself a musician? So uh -huh. uh, lo and behold, this newsletter came along and I read it and and I visited the backline.care website. And my the first thing that blew me away was the group therapy. I was like, oh my gosh, I can go to free group therapy with other musicians. <clears throat> and so uh -huh. I immediately took advantage of that. Um, happens at every every Wednesday at two o'clock Eastern. And so I I took advantage and it was a it was a smaller group, which meant which was great because it meant that we all had time to contribute. And um, mm -hmm. you know, I try to go as often as possible, but that was my first like, whoa, this is awesome type of moment. Then <clears throat> my first thought after that was, well, I see here that they're kind of like headhunters of sorts of such for uh for therapy. But mm -hmm. Um, they're probably going to have me bust out my tax returns and all types of stuff that I do not have ready right now. And, oh God, but let me, let me just keep trucking on and let me see what they're asking for. And it literally was like on, um, scouts honor basis. Like, do you make majority of your income off of music? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I do. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. I was able to suddenly have access to someone who reached out to me. Um, I can't remember which representative it was, but yes, I do. And they reached out to me and they said, Hey, can we, can we hop on a phone call? So we got on a mm -hmm. phone call literally the next day. And this person said, Hey, I'm so-and-so. This is my title at backline. Um, I saw that you filled out a request to get matched with a therapist. And I would just like to learn more about what's, what brought you to us and, what, how we can help you and some of your financial barriers, like tell, tell me whatever you feel comfortable telling me. So I spilled my guts to him for like 30 minutes uninterrupted. And he held so much space for me clearly. And by the end of the phone call, he had made recommendations for two different people. He said, I have this person who, uh, who is a, a male identified therapist who, uh, his sessions would cost you about $50. Um, and mm -hmm. I know that finances is a concern for you because you want be you want to be able to go consistently. But then I also have this person who is woman identified, who I think sounds uh, from what I know of her, I feel like she would be a great match for you. And but mm -hmm. she she is a little bit more pricey. And so you let me know mm -hmm. what what you're comfortable with. And I I said I would I would prefer someone who identifies as a woman. And so he said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out to her and find out, you know, what we could do for you and see if she has any, any 
availability. And, but, but prepare, you're probably not going to hear back from me for about a week. And I said, okay, yeah, fine. I've waited this long. I, I can wait another week. That's fine. It must have been about two days later that at like eight o'clock at night, I get an email from him saying, hey, great news. I heard from so-and-so. They have availability and they're going to reach out to you to get started. And I was like, what? That's it? And so then a few minutes later, it's like 10 after 8 p.m. on like a Thursday night, she emails me and she's like, hey, Shay, you know, I just want to get on the phone with you real quick. And she gave me a, a consultation then and there. And I gave her almost like flip book style chapter of the traumas in my life that I really wanted to work through just to test the waters and see what her style was like. And she was just shooting at the hip, just like conquering every single thing and being like, well, of course you can't write a song. You're in, you're in the fight or flight mode and your frontal (laughs) cortex is shut off. And I was like, what? (laughs) There's a reason why I haven't been productive. And so Mm -hmm. we scheduled immediately. And when I tell you, I've never... I've never understood, no offense to my previous therapist, but I've never understood what other people meant by, oh, I'm so in love with my therapist. You know, mm. I never knew that feeling until now. <clears throat> and she uh, she jokes with me like, you know, about how one day when I leave the nest, the therapy nest, and I'm on my own and I'm like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to risk losing you because like, she's just absolutely perfect. And it through therapy with her i've i've gotten such a dramatic um different experience than than i have with other therapists in that uh-huh. she holds space for me she prepares me for aftercare when we have difficult sessions where i do a lot of deep diving into traumatic stuff um she'll always say okay what are you doing for the next 30 minutes let's plan out what that's going to mm-hmm. look like and how you can uh-huh. transition out of this mode into your day um I, I just, I absolutely adore her and I have backline to thank and I've continued, I haven't been able to go to the last few sessions because I've had some scheduling conflicts, but I've continued to go to the group therapy that you all offer. You all have mm-hmm. advocated so hardcore for me to get funding through Sweet, Sweet Relief when I've needed it. And I just, um, I knew that I had to reach out to you all to help in any way I can to spread the word about the important work that you are all are doing and the space that you're providing for musicians who by nature are so quote unquote difficult to understand because we're such weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) Creative. (laughs) No, I I have to say that I, the the thing that makes me smile the most as you tell that story is that I I hope that that's the experience that most of the people that are going through our case management program are having. Uh, we try our, our absolute best to do things as quickly as possible, but also as efficiently as, and effectively as possible. And I really give a lot of credit to the clinicians that are in our network because um, many times we do reach out to these people. And whether it's somebody who is a touring musician or it's the bus driver of some band that nobody's ever heard of, uh, we have clinicians who are ready to go and are mm-hmm. so excited to work with this population of people um, that in many cases we are able to have that very quick turnaround time. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we try to do it within the week, but I would say we always try to do it within a couple of days. Um, yeah. and then especially with the support groups, I, I'm so happy to hear that the support groups have been great for you because, um, in the very, very small instance of where we can't find a clinician for somebody, maybe they're in an area, um, that we're just in need of some more clinicians. Um, we are always in need of more clinicians. 
um, or maybe financially we, we don't have a good fit or time-wise we don't have a good fit. There are always barriers that could be there. Uh, we like to know that there's always some sort of mental health service for people in the industry to utilize regardless if they have that individual time or not. Yeah. So this way they can always join a support group. Uh, we now not only have our general support group on uh, Wednesdays, uh, but we also now have a grief support group, uh, which is called Waves. Um, our grief support group uh, is done with the Grief Support Network, which is based out of Denver. Uh, that is at 2 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Um, and then we do now have a group that we are really excited about along along with the grieving uh, the grief group, uh, which we are calling Off the Road, which is for partners and family members of those who are in uh, the music industry. So uh, it's led by two, uh, two females who are um, partners of touring musicians. And they are um, very experienced in uh, life on the road for the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> and um, uh, that group is every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. And so, again, we're just really excited to be able to offer those. And we've had a really nice turnout. Um, and we're just excited to kind of see those grow. It's also really interesting for me to see, even though we, especially in the group therapy we come from such different backgrounds and different skill levels mm -hmm. and different areas of expertise, but mm -hmm. we so often will just very quickly find a theme, a common theme within the group therapy, whether it's oh, yeah. feeling lonely or struggling mm -hmm. with catching COVID overseas and, um, you know, or al also there's the common theme that we've experienced uh, about feeling like we're, we're behind or looked down on by our peers. Yeah. And I think COVID really turned the world upside down for everybody. But, uh, you know, for an industry that went from making whatever dollars you were making to a hard zero pretty much overnight uh, with the unfamiliar, unfamiliar situation of um, even if I'm ready to go back to work, but the places that I work are not ready to have me, then how am I going to do this? And I, yeah. I think for the first time uh, to be able to sit in a group like that and have somebody who understands um, for your specific industry, it's just something that was really lacking. I, and even on the clinician side, uh, we now hold a clinician uh, consultation group once a month, which is really just intended. Like I've sat in consultation groups professionally for years where I've talked about how to help people with depression or how to help people with specific types of trauma. But I had never been able to sit with somebody and say like, how do you handle when somebody's on the road for six weeks and their partner is in a crisis? Or how do you help somebody? Um, or what happens if you see a client at a concert? Uh, what happens if you, a client tries to give you tickets to a concert? You know, things that I've just never been able to say. But it's, it's been things that I, we found that this, this very large community um, ha that has felt very spread out during the pandemic is finally starting to get a little bit more tight-knit and a little bit more available for each other. And that's really what we wanted to be able to spearhead. Yeah. And I just want to clarify for anybody who might be confused by this, just because Backline matches you with someone who speaks music um, or speaks the music industry, it doesn't mean that you are limited to only discussing music or music-related topics. No, in no, no. Not even in group therapy. Right, of course not. One of the things that I'm most proud of about Backline is that for every clinician that we would refer to, we take the time to have a phone call with them. We learn about their practice. We learn about their clinical practice. We learn about their experience in the music industry. Um, some clinicians that we have that we have referred plenty of people to have no experience in the music industry and truthfully just have a good understanding of what people are going through. Um, and in the clinical side of things, 
um, being in the clinical world for for almost a decade at this point, I've learned that you don't always necessarily need to have experienced something to really be able to help somebody, but you definitely need to have a good understanding and a willingness to listen and learn. And so our confidence is that anybody that we're going to refer to is going to have a good understanding of the thing that that person is going through and a, a genuine ear to listen. Uh, they might not always have an experience of music. Uh, they, you may never ever talk about music because music is just a job. Maybe, maybe you just didn't know where to find support and you happen to just be a musician, but you're really struggling with some past trauma or you're just have a, some basic overall anxiety. Um, our job is to get you paired up with somebody. And then from there, that's where you take it over. Um, yeah. And the one other thing that I'm really the most proud of with Backline is that once we really pair everybody with their providers, uh, we do our best to really step back and let the providers take it over from there. Uh, we don't want to dictate and say, this is how we expect you to do your therapy. This is how often you should be seeing your client. This is how often you should be seeing your therapist. Um, that's up to you to decide. So if that's once a week, once a month, once you and your therapist or your provider or your life coach or whoever it is that we've been able to, to pair you with, um, we're really happy to know that we trust the people that we're sending you to and that we don't need to really micromanage them. And we just wouldn't. Uh, I just love you guys so much. <laughs> Like, I, I just, I think I was just so blown away that somebody took the time to understand that musicians were, were built different and we face different challenges than other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to hear you from, from a clinician standpoint, go a little bit deeper into what I had mentioned before about the inability or the block to create when you're under stress. Because if anybody's listening to that's mm -hmm. that's going through that right now and is, you know, invalidating themselves as a musician or an artist. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like I would love for you to speak on as well, the other side of the coin when, when you might be using creation as an escape and you're just constantly sure. creating. I would look at that on very two different sides, which I think you just pointed out. So we'll start with the one where you're going to have this major block. Um, creativity is something that's going to come because it it's allowed to. Um, when there's other things that are going to prevent it, when there's other stressors, uh, you had mentioned the idea of fight or flight before, and I think that's a really valid one because your body to be able to create and to be able to think of new things that don't necessarily exist for in simplistic terms, it needs to be able to relax and to be able to relax, it needs to not have to worry about what's going on behind. So back in the day where we were, you know, foraging in the woods and surviving and living outside, you only ate when you were, when you knew it was safe and you only really drank when you knew it was safe. Um, you would sleep when you knew that nobody was going to approach you, but any other time you were really all on hypervigilance mode trying to survive. And as we've developed into the society that we have now where creativity really exists, um, the times to be the most creative are the times where we are allowed to relax and we can just express ourselves. So when you're the most stressed out and things are really most uncertain, it's not uncommon for a block to really happen and the creativity to, to not flow the way it used to. And then once it doesn't flow, then the anxiety of when is it going to come back? Is it going to come back? Or the mm -hmm. pressure that you're now putting on yourself to create this perfection, which we all know really does not exist. Yeah, It's almost like chasing an addiction where you're looking for the next best thing. And every song you could put out the next top 10 hit, and it's still not good enough because it's not quite to the expectation of what you think you should be to and where you, should, where you want to be. And to get out of that hump can be really difficult sometimes. And sometimes in many, actually, I would say in many cases, it's something that you, it's really hard to identify on your own and having somebody really pointed out with you, not for you, allows you to kind of figure out where that block is, is falling and what's preventing you from moving forward. Yeah. On the, on the other side of that, it's kind of an interesting thing where 
people sometimes when they feel the most anxious, they produce the most. And that's where they're just trying to dump everything out and get it all out on the paper. And the problem is that then you're you're producing so much that what is good? Is this really me? Am I producing it because I like it? Am I producing it because I feel like I need to? And then am I relying only on producing whatever it is because that's the only way I know how to express myself? And it's very important to be able to express yourself through whatever it is that you do, whether you're a musician, you're a, a lawyer, you're a doctor, whatever it is. But at the same time, you need to be able to express yourself in multiple different ways and you need to be confident with the way that you do it. And if you're relying only on that one way, then what happens if that's taken away? And that's what we saw with the pandemic. And therapy, especially being able to sit with somebody and have that open space to have that conversation really gives you a good headway into that other space without having to really uh, put too much other dedicated time into navigating it. You really have somebody who's going to help point you in the right direction. So what are some ways that you can check in with yourself and feel am I making just right, you know, just right of an yeah. amount of songs without it being too far towards either end? Yeah. Um, it's easy to say, and in full discretion, I've never been on stage. I would love to have been on stage, but it was never <laughs> in my, in the deck of cards that, or the hand that was dealt to me. You have to really rely on your routine. And if it's something where you're still able to do things like self-care, you're able to eat healthy and stay on a, a good uh, routine of, of exercise and do other things that you enjoy and not feel that everything that you're doing in terms of putting out more music or getting, you know, doing more shows, once it starts to feel like it's going to overburden you, the likelihood is that burnout is very quick and, and it's not far from, um, from coming. Um, especially on the clinical world, uh, when we're working with clients, once we start to have what we almost consider an imposter syndrome, we start to think like, why, why are my clients trusting me? Why are my clients getting anything from me? I'm not giving them any support. I don't think I'm at my best. That's when we have to start questioning, are we putting ourselves forward and allowing ourselves to take some time to recuperate and to relax? And, you know, the clients I work with who have been on the road or are currently on the road, um, I talk about them all the time where even just having five minutes once a week where they meditate or creating a space in their bus that is their space and nobody else's to make sure that they have that and it's consistent no matter where they go is really important. Um, so I, I always rely on um, working with clients to find some sort of routine, no matter where they are. The home routine is going to look a lot different than on the road and diet on the road is going to look a little bit different than when you can cook at home. But yeah. there's a lot of things that can stay consistent. And once you start not putting yourself forward, then the people that you're trying to help out aren't going to be able to be there. So whether that's the people who you want to, um, you're trying to play your music for, they're not going to get your best. And as a clinician, if the people that we're trying to help, we can't help them unless that we make sure we focus on ourselves first. A couple of things are coming up for me. So uh, the first thing is, is I, I feel like so many musicians, we think, um, you know, when we hear the advice uh, from health gurus or about like, make sure you're, you know, sticking to a, a schedule and make sure you're getting enough sleep at night. It's so, mm -hmm. <laughs> it can be so difficult because I could uh -huh. go to bed at, you know, 10 p.m. every single night during the week, but then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when I'm working wedding gigs, I'm coming home yep. from any variety of locations that's taking me, uh -huh. you know, five hours on the road, and then I'll get home at 3 a.m. and, you know, still haven't eaten because I'm a vegan, so at the wedding gig, they fed me a cauliflower steak, and I'm still starving. You know, it's just right. so tough. So how do you how do you rationalize with yourself and give yourself enough compassion and room to try again 
um, without Mm -hmm. it all getting thrown off to shit? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think if you and I could really get a great answer for that, (laughs) then we could probably publish some wonderful books. Right. (laughs) Um, um, You know, it's something where I, the truth is that we've been working really hard, especially at Backline to try and figure that out. Um, Mm. And that's a really tough one. So we've started things like um, we created what we call our take dot care bags. Um, where people who are on the road can request them and we will send over some just like basic on the road supplies, some healthier snacks, some meditation exercises. Um, just because we realize that preparing for those times exactly like you're talking about, like getting out of a gig and then realizing it's 4 a.m. and I'm not going to be home for five hours, but like, what's something that will really help get you from now until you can go to bed? And what's something, you know, what do you want to use this space for? If you're going to be in the car, what are you listening to? Are you listening to a meditation that's allowing you to stay in a good positive mind frame because you know you're going to be unhappy with that drive to the next city? Or are you listening to some you know, overwhelming news podcast that's just giving you even more stress? Yeah. Um, so surrounding yourself by a positive environment, whether that's a physical space or a mental space, and then also just being very honest with yourself and the people around you. It's not always so easy to tell the person that you've been on a bus next to for the past six weeks that you're really struggling, but it's something that really needs to start be talking to. It's something that people need to start talking about. And the more we avoid it, the worse it's going to get. And so we are trying to get our, get our voice out to any kind of touring managers, any kind of other people who might be on the road, just to encourage people just to hear everybody out and see what's going on. Um, Because if they can be honest with each other, then that's when we're going to find that the real work can really start. Yeah. And I can't even imagine being in a touring situation because um, I mean, although I want to be one day, but just the, uh, I it, I didn't understand it until this year. This is when mm-hmm. I really started experiencing that after wedding gigs, I need to decompress like yeah. hardcore. Like I, there are mm-hmm. even certain podcasts that I typically would want to listen to during the day. But if I put them on after a wedding gig, the amount of stimulation I have just left and the high that yep. I'm coming down off of makes that podcast feel like, like it's strangling me. Like I need to listen to Mm -hmm. maybe like some just chill lo-fi vibes or something that I never would Mm -hmm. expect that I would want to listen to, but I really desperately crave that cool down, you know? Sure. Um, So I can't imagine being on a tour bus and the guy next to me trying to talk to me and then finding the chutzpah to tell them like, (sighs) I don't have it in me right now. Like, Well, and I also, I I remind clients, especially before they go on the road many times that, you know, the podcasts that are the top in the country are probably something, uh, what's, how do we say this? Uh, The news that sells is going to anger or it's going to incite some sort of emotion. Um, The meditation podcast, the calming ones, the the relaxing podcasts aren't necessarily top of the the charts right now. They're going to be more things that are going on um, that are going to excite you. So coming off of that high where you're feeling feeling like you're you know you're just finishing the show, uh, the goal is to now start to decompress and actually start to get to the point where you can get to sleep. So listening to something that's going to rile you up, you know, when you finally get time to get lie down and and try and go to bed, the likelihood is your body's going. It's time to keep going, and that's yeah. not what we're looking for. Yeah, especially because like during a wedding in particular, it's like we get our breaks. So it's like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what my brain thinks is going to happen, but when I get into Mm -hmm. my car and if I'm listening to something too stimulating, it might be thinking that I'm coming off of a break. Do you have a cat too? I do also have a cat (laughs) and I have a, 
I have a two-year-old also, if you can hear him. Oh, uh, my gosh. I'm about to go take a bath. Full house. Full house. Full house. Um, uh, are you good f- to stick around a few mo- more minutes? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just, yeah. just say, say, Shay, I got to go. Um, all right. So I did want to advocate really quickly just so that clients can have a better sense of empathy. Um, mm. I was speaking to a clinician just yesterday, actually, that works within the music realm. And uh, she was telling me that she used to work for two of the major, like heavily sponsored online digital therapy mm. places. Um, I didn't realize until speaking with her that um, from her perspective and her experience, she was overworked. She was at capacity, uh, like far beyond capacity at like a hundred clients. They did not appreciate her voicing her concern for burnout or her own mental health. And I would just like to find out from you, are these, I'm, I don't want to mention them by name, but I feel like everyone should know them because they're sponsored every five seconds, everywhere you turn. Um, Should we be avoiding those? You know, I would, that's a really great question. Um, I will, in full discretion, I have never worked for any of those companies. I have never tried to work for those companies. I have worked um, in the standard outpatient uh, clinic setting. So um, it's, it's a much different model. I will tell you though, my belief about them are that if they are getting people help and they are helping people, then that's really great, but they're not for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people need in-person sessions. Some people need backline to be able to have a specialty. But for especially those people who are really just unsure if therapy is something that's even a possibility for them, um, if they are able to get in and start seeing somebody, then that's better than not getting support at all. Um, right. But but um, I am always going to believe, and this just comes from my experience of working in the industry, um, I'm more comfortable knowing that uh, I would be seeing somebody that's in my neighborhood, that's in my local area, that really understands the... the um, temperature of what's going on in my, in my neighborhood. Um, so I will always, uh, before I would ever tell somebody to go reach out to those larger conglomerates of, of services, I would say, check your, you know, look for the private practices. I spend a lot of time with my clients teaching them how to use psychology today, uh, which I think is really important because it's a very difficult website to navigate, but it's, it's an incredible resource of providers who you can reach out to and say, Hey, I, you look like you and I would get along and I would like to just get a consult and many of them will give it to you for free. Um, Thankfully with backline, that is what we do. Uh, So we, we do a lot of that for you. Um, And I would always hope that somebody, especially with a, a specialty type population and uh, the specialty of uh, being in the music industry that has such different lifestyles and honestly, just a different schedule um, than, than a nine to five employee. um, I think it's really, it's really valuable to know that you can go somewhere that you know that somebody has already asked those questions. But in the yeah. times for anybody who might be listening, who's maybe on a nine to five schedule, who has, you know, just some very basic uh, mental health that they want to try to address, or maybe they've never been in therapy before. Um, I can't say a negative thing about uh, some of those bigger companies because I know that they've helped a lot of, a lot of people out there. Very fair. Very fair. So I do want to, to ask you how, how backlines or backline or clinicians with backline um, tend to handle musicians that are constantly touring. Um, I know that there are a lot of licensure restrictions again, this, but this is at the discretion of the therapist. Um, But the licensing boards 
are very, very strict about if you are not licensed in this state, you cannot see this person. So I've even Mm -hmm. been told like, hey, if you go on vacation for a week to Louisiana, I cannot see you for that week. And so I can't, like, how do you work around that as a touring musician? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I hope that whoever's listening to this recognizes that just for me having to answer this question, that some of our um, our legislation around this is a little outdated, and it's time yeah. that we kind of look into changing some of it. Because absolutely, um, the exa- the example I give is that um, uh, with the implementation of telehealth uh, in Maryland right now, I'm allowed to see a client who lives three and a half hours away from me um, because he's still technically in the lines of Maryland. Um, but somebody I'm currently sitting 20 minutes south of Pennsylvania and, uh, somebody who lives a half hour away from me in, in York, um, I can't see because they live across this line. Um, right. but, but you're asking the great question. So, um, with backline, um, the one thing that we do not encourage is I don't want anybody breaking the law. It is yeah. fully at the discretion of the provider. Um, and in many cases, uh, we do have some providers who are, um, able to provide both uh, therapy services. So they are a licensed therapist. And then uh, they also are a, um, a professional uh, life coach. So they're able to offer coaching, which does not have state regulation um, and limitations. So the way that we kind of look at it clinically is that if somebody is coming through our case management system and needs a therapist, then we are going to pair them with a therapist in their state uh, that can see them while they are home and that is, we're going to do our best to do that. Um, if somebody needs something that's really more like ongoing and um, on the road type services, then we'll probably also try and get them paired with a life coach too. Um, that way they can also just work on some things while they're on the road. Um, and that way we don't have to worry about um, the state line regulations. But then also anybody, uh, before any of my clients go on the road, um, I spend a lot of time with them kind of plotting out like where are the crisis hotlines? Uh, what are some of the numbers that you need to know while you're on the road? Um, I might make my email a little bit more available to them just in case there's something that comes up just because I know that my resource um, accessibility might be better than theirs. So even if they're just like, hey, I need an AA meeting while I'm on the road, can you recommend one? I'm I'm happy to help find it with them. Um, But we do a lot of planning. Um, And this is something that uh, Backline has been uh, uh, able to grow during the pandemic uh, because the pandemic has been a lot more lenient on some of these uh, state line regulations. Um, but it's something that we're constantly monitoring and seeing. And hopefully with what appears to be uh, both the counseling compact and the social work compact, it, it appears that there will be states that will allow um, reciprocity, um, I think, to start avoiding this. Because um, I would hope that if a client of mine goes on vacation and they're in Virginia for, for a couple of days and they need something from me, that it wouldn't prevent me from being able to talk to them. But unfortunately, right, right now it really does. Like I, I cannot, there are a few things in this world that make me as angry as that fucking rule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's just the, it's the, it's the rule that especially having seen that during the pandemic, um, as a provider, um, we can effectively do treatment via telehealth. Um, it's not perfect for everybody. It will never be perfect for everybody. It's a great option. It's a great option for everybody. And it, for some people it's perfect. It's exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially the fact that we can effectively handle crises. Um, and I think, uh, like even with me having certain clients that might go on the road, just even saying like, all right, you're going to be in New York city. If you're feeling suicidal, this is what's going to happen. I might even say like, Hey, where are you staying? You're staying in Brooklyn. Okay. So then I at least want to know 
that maybe I have a clinician that if God forbid something were to happen, like there's a lot of planning that can go into this that is not asking a clinician too much. And especially a, a client just be able to say like, this is where I'm going to be. And can you help me find some resources? And I, I think as a provider, that's, I would do that with somebody who's about to go on a six week tour or about to go on their two week honeymoon. Um, right. Just to say, this is something we want to be prepared for. Um, but I do hope that in, I, I do hope that the pandemic has really taught us that um, we can effectively work with people who are not necessarily standing right next to us. Okay. So for anyone who's new with therapy, um, what are some ways that they can know whether or not they should keep looking for other therapists? Because I didn't know until I knew. And uh -huh. prior to knowing, I was talking to my best friend. I was like, this is what happened in this session. She showed up 10 minutes late. She cut us off 15 uh -huh. minutes early. She walked me through my intake forms after I had received an email saying, fill out your intake forms so we won't have to go over them. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't like any single part of this, but my best friend was saying, well, trust the process, you know, let, let go mm -hmm. of what your expectations are. And, but then when I found my current therapist through you all, I was like, no, this is it. Like, thank God I kept looking. So what can people yeah. look for? That's another really great question. Um, I, um, I was blessed with some really great supervisors, uh, growing up in the field. Um, so I'm a big believer of, uh, I think the first red flag is timeliness. Um, I think if you're a therapist, the idea is that you're coming to me. Um, I, you are my client. You are somebody who is in theory paying me. So your time is valuable. Um, and if you don't feel like your time is being utilized properly, then that's, that should be a big red flag. Um, if, if they are, if you don't feel like you're getting what you think you need, um, I have told clients from the day that I start working with them, I've worked with plenty of clients over the years and I don't know what everybody needs right off the bat. I, if I pretended like I knew what everybody needed right off the bat, then I think I'm missing a whole half of what my practice should be. And I, part of it is learning who I'm working with and then figuring it out with them as to what we need to figure out. And if I'm figuring things out for you, then I'm not being effective. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just like, just to kind of say it again, I think if people aren't respecting your time, that's not good. I think if you made it a handful of sessions and you don't feel like you've gotten anything out of it, then there's other options. Um, and I just, I think you need to really feel like you are making progress. Like there, every day is not going to be a perfect session. There's going to be sessions that you feel like you wasted because maybe there's nothing going on, but you also want somebody that you know that you're being honest with, that you feel is being honest with you and isn't doing like, I'm in the business of having difficult conversations. I know I'm going to say things to a client that maybe they don't necessarily want to hear, but there's a way to say those things. And there's a reason to say those things. And, you know, there's a time to say some of those things. If I just start saying certain things because I, I'm going to, I'm going to say it and I'm probably going to upset you, which isn't going to therapeutically help you. But if I say it appropriately, then we can actually dig into it and figure it out. So I think I know that I'm not the perfect therapist for everybody. I think as a therapist, sometimes we may, we've seen so many different clients come across our, you know, come through our door that we are a little bit more willing to try the process for a little bit longer. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's you're you're spending the time, and every session you go to um, should be bettering you. And the last thing I ever want to hear from a client of mine is that they stop doing therapy because they don't think therapy worked. Um, right. I'd rather hear that. I'd rather hear that they didn't they stopped therapy with me because maybe I wasn't the right fit or I didn't have a good experience in a specific disorder, and then I'm happy to help. Um, I've had plenty of clients where I've been able to say like, listen, we've made it this far. I think we've kind of gotten to our point of it's time to refer. And then I, we've sat and looked for a therapist together for them. 
Um, and I wow. just think that that's really important. Um, this is your time, not the therapist's. I love what you were saying about like making sure that you are <laughs> timing tone and turf, um, being careful about <laughs> I, I what like, you're sharing. I like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so one of the things I absolutely adore about my, my current therapist is that she, um, she will say, you know, there's, there's a theory that's bubbling up for me around this. Do you mind if I share with you? And then after she shares, she'll say, does any of that feel valid? And I absolutely love that because yeah. it, it gives me the, the agency to decide for myself whether or not um, any of it feels relevant or I can take or leave certain aspects of what her theories are. And it's mm -hmm. a constant reminder that just because she is my therapist and she is knowledgeable in what's going on with me mm -hmm. um, and my background, it doesn't mean that she has all the answers or that I need to expect her to have every single answer. And I love that. Yeah, I would tell, oh, I would tell everybody I've ever worked with, uh, if you're agreeing with everything I'm saying in therapy, then you, someone is lying to somebody here right. because <laughs> I am not the expert. You are the expert in you. Maybe I'm the expert in whatever we are talking about. And I will, I don't think anybody, I, I'm an expert in nothing. I, there is always room that I need to learn. Somebody out there knows something more about it. I just, I've gotten good at looking things up and I've gotten good at learning things. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, it's really, it's so valid to know because I, you know, having a two-year-old at this point, um, I've had a long, I had a long conversation with uh, his, his pediatrician who I've known for a long time. And my son was born very early. He was in the NICU for a while. And they always said like, listen, we're the ones who are the experts here, but you were the expert in your child. And so if Oof. you think your son is acting, if you think your son is acting funny, or you think that there's something that isn't progressing properly, you are the ones that need to bring it to us. And I've talked about clients to clients about that all the time of like, the way I feel happiness and the way you feel happiness are going to be very different. The way I enjoy something and the way you enjoy something might be worldly different. So if I say you're, you need to start exercising, this is going to be so helpful. Um, disagree with me. Tell me that yeah. you've tried in the past and it doesn't work because my bigger fear is that I'm going to help a client find something and then they're going to go, the next time I need to find something, I have to go back to Ari and do it again. It's not my credit. It's your credit. It's yeah. my credit is maybe helping way out a pro con list. And then the backside of that is, God forbid, I think something is going to perfectly work and it's going to help resolve whatever it is. I swear to you that exercising is going to solve your sleep problems. And then if it doesn't, it's my fault. And yeah. my job is not to put fault on anybody. It's to help fail and succeed together. Yeah. Um, and I, that's where I just, I, for anybody who is listening, uh, you should be disagreeing with your therapist every session or telling them that they're wrong. Um, I know <laughs> I've made some, or I've asked some questions and said, it seems like a is B and, They've looked at me and said, that's not true at all. And I go, okay, great. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> I need to argue with mine more often. I love her too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just I've had some great sessions says. with clients. I've had some great <laughs> sessions with clients where we've, we've disagreed about whatever it is. And at the end we go, at least I understand. Yeah. Speaking, speaking about not being an expert, um, does backline uh -huh. have a commitment to racially concordant care if it is preferred? Um, or yeah or queer concordant care, you know, anything Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Sure. And that's one of the things that I'm, I'm the most proud of about the work that we do on the clinical network side of building backline is that we take the time to meet 
Um, every single person that we will refer to, you know that we've had a, a decent conversation with at least usually 15 minutes to a half hour to learn everything about that provider. Um, and that includes all their specialties. We document all of their specialties and the areas of focus. Um, and then when we meet with our clients, we ask them what they're looking for. And we do our absolute best to pair people with exactly what they're looking for. I know that we're not going to get it perfect every time, but especially for those people who maybe need somebody that understands something a little bit more um, specialized or has a, um, a a real certain request or a need for what they're looking for, then we are going to do our absolute best to try and pair um, specifically with um, the, the LGBTQ population and with any kind of uh, racial needs. I, we don't... Our goal is to make sure that anybody who seeks a provider gets that provider that they're looking for, and then they can continue. If it doesn't work out, they can always come back to us, and they can always uh, say, like, I need to find somebody else because who you found was not the perfect person. Um, but our goal is to do it on the first shot. I love that because um, especially especially with um, everything that's happened over the course of the last couple of years, um, I've found that a lot of a lot of my friends didn't even know that racially concordant care was available to them. Uh, and mm -hmm. especially after the racial trauma that was incurred after George Floyd and all of mm -hmm. the atrocities that have happened, um, it, yeah. it was rough for them telling me like having to go to their white therapist, like they were, took them forever to find mm -hmm. a therapist that they could afford. And then all of a sudden yep. now they're dealing with having to explain what it means to be black or explain what it means to be, um, mm -hmm. polyamorous or any one of these things. Um, it's just one less obstacle to be able to just yeah. get to the root and, and not have to worry about hurtling over a clinician's biases. Exactly. And thankfully, we have some really nice partnerships. So we do have a partnership with the Black Mental Health Alliance, who are based out of Baltimore, um, who have helped us put on and develop some really good programming um, for a more diverse population. Um, we're about to launch another um, campaign with them to help kind of um, expand our services into communities that maybe are not necessarily utilizing them as much. Um, and then I think what you just pointed out is really important, um, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or it's our biggest concern about even just one of the things we deal with in the music industry is I don't want you to have to go see a therapist and then have to start explaining why you do something and what what the benefit is that you get out of it or why you have that preference. Um, our job is to help somebody um, either figure out what maybe those preferences might be or mm -hmm. understand their own preferences. Um, but like just to sim simply say it um, for the music industry, like I don't want you to have to get on with the therapist and say like, listen, I'm going to be out of town for six weeks. And they say, what are you doing? This is going to ruin your relationship. You need to find a job that's nine to five. Right. Oh my God. Oh my God. And that gosh. just doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense to me as to why I would, why, uh, why somebody would have to start off therapy explaining their, their lifestyle. So anything like that, we do our absolute best. We try to spend as much time as we can with our clients and our clinicians to make sure that we are going to do our absolute best to pair people with, with a good match. And that's something that I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we do. Wow. So what are your next goals with Backline? Who? Uh, I don't know that I can announce everything, but we have some really exciting programming that we're hoping to start um, in 2023. Uh, one of the things that I can definitely discuss is we did just have a partnership with the Neil Cassell Music Foundation uh, where they helped, uh, uh, they helped us bring on a clinical fellow uh, who will be working underneath uh, my supervision and will help me kind of get some of these new programs out and about and see what we can do. Um, part of that will be helping us to try and expand our network. So for anybody who is listening who might happen to be a mental health professional or a wellness provider, 
um, or interested in helping out uh, in any way that you think you can benefit our community, uh, feel free to go to our website at backline.care and you can uh, click the tab of Get Involved. Um, and we, I will talk to anybody and hear a little bit about what you're doing um, to hopefully be able to start referring to you. Um, so we have um, we have our fellow starting, um, and then the thing that we were able to just do is last uh, Monday night for the first time since Backline's inception, we were able to bring our entire team together in New York uh, oh. to spend. To first, we were um, lucky enough to have uh, to be able to put on a benefit show uh, where Mr. Wives performed for us um, at Brooklyn Bowl in in Brooklyn, yeah, and Brooklyn so we were Bowl. able to have. Yeah, Brooklyn Bowl. Uh, we were able to have a, a, a sold-out show and a phenomenal crowd. Um, so our hope is to start building off that and to start spreading the word of what we do and to really reach as many people as we possibly can. Um, and that's our goal. Um, grow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one last question before I let you go. And this this might sure. seem a little bit tedious, but I think it'll be important for the, those people that are so tired of looking for a therapist on their own. Can you just give yeah. me a brief rundown of some of like the most common acronyms that you might see and what the fuck they mean? Oh, yes. That is a great question. I I cannot appreciate the fact that you asked that question because I actually get teased by the rest of the staff at Backline that Really? Uh, right after I, uh, yeah, right after I, um, I joke that we've all spent all this money on these on these letters after our name, and nobody has any idea what they do. Right. Um, the first thing I'm going to say, uh, the first thing I'm going to say to everybody who may be listening is, I know I'm going to get some of this wrong, and I know I'm going to be, I know that I'm very narrow minded in the areas that I've been in, but I'm going to do my absolute best to explain. Um, and please. Anyone is more than welcome to email me and say, somebody has these credentials, I don't know what they mean, and I will look them up for you and give you a very educated understanding as to what they do. Brilliant. However, Thank you. The, the, the general gist of what you might see is a couple of different options. You're going to see a, a therapist. So there is a therapist uh, in, on, in Maryland. Uh, we are considered LCPC, which is a licensed clinical professional counselor. You might see a combination of those letters. So I know like Denver has an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. There's an LPCC, which is, which is a licensed professional clinical counselor. And then you're also going to see, um, I know in California, they have um, MFTs, which is marriage and family therapists. Um, in the bigger picture of what you're looking for, those are going to be your standard talk therapists. That's going to be the people you sit down with and resolve some issues with. Uh, those, those letters are all going to be universally the same. And then there are... Um, that is going to be your fully licensed. So those are the people who can practice on their own, no supervision. Underneath them, you're going to see things like LGPC, LM. I don't know what the LMFT is. Uh, am I buffering? Oh, I let's, let's wrap up the letters and get to the important stuff about how to support backline. I can't believe sure. I just did that. God damn it. Um, letters. So you're going to have your therapists, you're going to have your social workers, um, and then you're going to also have doctors. Um, sorry. I, oh, I just <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, this is not Ari's fault, everyone. This is, I totally <laughs> forgot to hit record, and we just recorded a whole segment for ourselves, for me and Ari. 
Um, so I can run down this very quickly, but I, I, I do think it's very important. Um, you're going to have people who are going to, you're going to find professional counselors or therapists um, who are going to be more of your in the room kind of face to face type trained providers uh, like myself. All of my education was done based uh, on different types of therapy and how to provide therapy in a group or a room type setting. Uh, you're also going to have your social workers. Social workers are going to have a little bit more experience with some case management skills, some resource planning, some discharge paperwork, uh, discharge planning, um, and that kind of uh, and that kind of um, um, education. That that's where sometimes the um, social worker track and the therapist track don't always. Uh, have a similar type education. And then you you might see a doctor of psychology, and then you might also see a psychiatrist. A doctor of psychology is still going to be a therapist type provider. So it's going to be more in the counseling field, or they might be able to do some assessments to determine if you have certain disorders. And that might be a PsyD, which is PSY and then a big D. But your PhD is going to be the doctorate level, and then your psychiatrists are going to be the ones who are going to prescribe the medication. Um, I always just like to remind people that a psychiatrist doesn't always do therapy. So if you are looking for a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner, which can also do the same thing um, in terms of prescribing medication, um, you just have to be mindful because um, it's not uncommon to find a psychiatrist who's only going to give you about a 15-minute appointment um, rather than a therapist who's going to give you 50 minutes to an hour. Um, and that's just a quick rundown of uh, some, some of the letters that you might see um, amongst uh, some of the uh, – Actually, and the one thing I just want to add to that is definitely um, it's not a it's not a weird question to ask the person that you find what their letters are and what they mean. Um, mm. If you were sitting in, in an office, uh, like in my office, uh, in my physical office, uh, there's a legally I have to have a picture of my degree up, or my actually have to have my degree up. I have to have my license up, which specifically explains what I've done. Um, since you're not seeing as many uh, virtually, it's it's really a very good question to ask. Well, what is their experience and how long have they been practicing? And right. I think I mentioned this before, um, but I do always just like to remind people that um, longevity in the field does not always uh, suggest how successful or um, how good a provider can be. Um, I've worked with some brand new providers who have experience in other fields. Uh, they were lawyers. They were. I worked with a woman who worked in, in um, TV advertisements and then came back to become a therapist. And there's just some people out there who are really, really wonderful providers who maybe the years don't necessarily suggest uh, the quality of their services. It's really something that you need to spend some time focusing on um, the relationship that you're going to build with the person and to make sure that there's somebody that you feel can actually help. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then I would you mentioned this when we got disconnected, but I just want you to revisit the psychedelic thing. Um, sure. Um, if being that the psychedelic um, options are starting to grow across the country, it's something that we are very well aware of. Uh, we do already have a couple of providers, I believe, and I, I said this before, don't fact check me. Um, there is somebody, I have it on a list, uh, but we do have a handful of providers. I believe uh, the last one I spoke to is in California, um, but we have some providers who, especially if we know anybody um, or we have any questions that we can reach out to who are working in ketamine treatment, um, who are also working in the psilocybin, uh, medical marijuana fields. Um, and then actually the one thing I don't think I mentioned when we before um, also the thing that we're really starting to kind of dip our toes into and really kind of help out with is the world of addictions. Um, and especially mm. trying to educate people with Narcan and with, um, and just the sobriety resources, um, because as, um, sober resources are becoming even more available, um, but especially with fentanyl, um, really kind of running rampant right. through the country. We think it's really important to let people know, um, 
if they can get Narcan, how to get Narcan um, and, and how to use it. Oh my God. I love that because I mean, we've mm-hmm. lost some of our greatest artists, uh, our greatest legends to fentanyl. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> I, I don't want this to feel artificial because I just did it with tears it and everything. And then I didn't realize that it wasn't recording. Um, but I just wanted to say this once more um, uh, because it's important to, to know that I'm like a walking testimonial right now that, I mm-hmm. I would not have this podcast. I would not be sitting across from you. I would not have just released my first EP um, had it not been for Backline swooping in when you all did and pairing me with my therapist now because um, I I just I was not the same person that I am today mm-hmm. uh, thanks to you all. So quite literally, you all saved my life this year and. That's why, even though I can't dump a ton of money on you all, I will shout it from every rooftop um, for musicians to find you and for clinicians to find you so that um, we can help reach your goal of just getting all of these people helped. Again, I, I, I can only thank you enough for allowing me on on this space just to even share the work that we're doing. And I'm so happy and it's, it's so humbling to hear that um, your success with Backline because it's it's what we hope for. Um, and it's not always, um, it's not always easy to, to make sure that somebody's getting the help. So I'm, I'm so humbled and happy to hear that it's been so good for you. Um, and with that, I just, I, I say, uh, we are trying to get backline to be as big as we possibly can just to help as many people as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anybody who happens to be listening that might be a mental health professional, a wellness provider, um, yoga, acupuncture, meditation, life coach, therapist, social worker, psychiatrist, I don't care. Um, what you think that you can do to help the music industry, go onto our website, www.backline.care. And in the section that says, um, uh, to, excuse me, to get involved, um, please click that button and schedule a time to meet with us and let us know a little bit about what you're doing and see if we can potentially start to refer to you. Um, it is free to be in our network. Um, the only thing that we do require is that you do spend a little bit of time so that we get to know you. Um, and then we hope that you'll be able to stay in touch and we can start referring. Um, and then any clients or anybody who's in the music industry, um, please, uh, same thing, www.backline.care. And you can click on the tab that says get help. And from there, you can find um, access to uh, case management, will help, which will help pair you with somebody in, um, in the w- mental health or wellness space. You can also get um, access to our calendar for our support groups that happen on a weekly basis. We also do a monthly touring workshop um, that is specific to different topics and catered really to just living a life on the road. Um, So actually today we did one that was just developing a healthy routine on the road. We've also done sobriety on the road, meditation on the road, healthy diets on the road, um, uh, being a partner of somebody on the road, how to re-enter after coming back off the road. So that's something that we're really proud of. And the last thing I don't think I I mentioned throughout the podcast is that um, we also offer a a whole um, um, a whole list of uh, wellness uh, subscription services. So maybe you have a therapist and you're really doing well with your therapist, but you need uh, a subscription to Breathwork or the Sona app. Um, Those are things that we can really help provide. Um, So again, www.backline.care, and you can see in the Get Help, you can see some of the subscriptions that we have. Um, that are available for anybody in the music industry or their family members. Um, I mean this very honestly. If you have questions, if you uh, want to ask us anything in particular that has um, uh, that feels a little bit less comfortable, uh, you can always email us at hello at backline.care. 
um, it, even before scheduling a time with a case manager just to learn about how we operate. Um, feel free to email us if you have questions as a provider that you're unsure about how we um, refer. Again, hello at backline.care. Um, and I will, um, we will get back to you. Um, I will, um, and I'm very excited to talk to anybody that I possibly can um, because our goal is to try and find as many providers. Uh, so that way we can get people in the industry help as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible. Ari, thank you so much for coming on today. And um, thank you very, very much to anyone who is listening to this from Backline. You all are out here saving and changing lives left and right. And um, I'm just so grateful to have spent this time with you today and for you to share these resources. I'm going to be putting a lot of stuff in the show notes, everyone. Please make sure that you are looking. Um, if you cannot wait to get connected to someone at Backline and you need help with a crisis right now, I'm going to leave a resource for the suicide hotline as well as domestic violence hotline. Um, if you have been enjoying listening to this podcast, the best way you can support is by going to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. That's how we get this uh, fairly new podcast in front of more listeners and continue to build this community and share important resources just like backline.care. So thank you again, and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you.